to the podcast, everybody. Your favorite podcast done by two guys in ministry not knowing at all what they're talking about. The How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Kyle and Derek are here sponsored this episode by Culver's. Culver's. Uh, We really should start looking up the slogans uh, before we hit record because otherwise... Isn't it Welcome to Delicious? I believe. Well, uh, that actually sounds good. That that sounds right. Uh, Can you get a confirmation well, on that? When I type Culver slogan, it says more choices, more smiles, which I No, I Welcome not. to Delicious is their, maybe their new one. Yeah, it is. There Let's go. go. That was a pull. Well I, done, I, Derek. I feel good about Welcome to Delicious. Uh, it is, I will say it is Welcome to Delicious. It's also Welcome to Poverty because it is so expensive to go to Culver's. But <laughs> it does taste good. So I'm sitting here looking at a map of all of the Culver's locations. Yep. Uh, if you had to guess which state has the top three states with the most Culver's. Wisconsin. Wisconsin's number one. Minnesota. Number one, two, three. Minnesota's number five. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Minnesota's six. My bad. I'm going to go with Iowa. Iowa is number eight. Dang it. I just, when I think of Culver, I think of just like the Midwest. Yeah, obviously. So uh, Minnesota has one coming soon. We have oh. 61 restaurants. We have one coming soon. What, uh, what's, what's I, uh, Wisconsin's one? number one at 148. I thought you said it was number three. No, sorry. No, Wisconsin's number one. Okay. Uh, yeah, because they're, they're... Illinois, they're, number two, 136. And number three, with 103 locations and six coming soon, is Florida. Really? Which actually Why makes Florida some get sense everything good, like because the- you got all of the snowbirds from Wisconsin <laughs> going down to Florida in the winter, and they still need their Culver's. Yeah, yeah. If you next time you go to Culver's, I don't know how my wife found this because it's it's not on the menu, but it's it's one of the best things from Culver's. It's a root beer shake. So it's like it's okay. a custard with root beer all just blended together, and it is insanely good. Huh. So, Go figure. I'm not uh, a huge Rip Beer fan. Just but. in case anybody was interested, Michigan and Indiana rounding out the top five. Really? And then Minnesota is six. That so surprises me. I would have thought Minnesota would be in the top five. So we got to step it up. We got to step our game up here. Yeah. we. Uh, well, we're working on it. We got one coming soon, but Indiana is ahead of us by 17 restaurants, and they have five coming soon. Your so. Culver's little ice cream cone here that if you're watching the live stream that we don't have... Um, <laughs> uh, it's like, it's like dirty. What happened to Mr. Snowcone here? Well, I, Snow? yeah. So for those of you, uh, unfamiliar to the podcast, we grab a random item from my office uh, before every episode and that whoever made the item is the sponsor of the episode. Yep. Uh, cause we are manifesting sponsors, sponsorship. Yeah. Uh, for the, for the show. And uh, so it's like one of those prizes, like with Culver's, you can redeem little kids coupons, coupons yeah. to get little prizes. This is like a you know stuffed animal-esque ice cream cone uh, from Culver's. And I do remember, this is, yeah, I've had this almost as long as I've been a youth pastor. I do remember it being used for uh, baseball nice. at one point, like it was the ball. Fantastic. Uh, in the building. But uh, yeah, so that it probably took a healthy beating uh, when when yeah. we were doing that. But that's all right. Yeah. 
Um, episode 90 today. Uh, this is the last in a three-part series we've done uh, looking at some options that students have coming out of high school. Uh, we looked at like, okay, if a student says, I want to go into ministry, what, like now what? Uh, we looked at last week, I want to go into missions. Now what? And today we are tackling, I want to go into a secular field. Now what? Uh, because we feel like these are pretty much the three career options. Yeah. Uh, for There's for obviously students. other ones, but that this is a pretty good umbrella. This pretty much covers the gist of what... What can you what, think of that doesn't fall into one of those three categories? Um, therapy. That's a secular field, is it not? Or it could also be ministry, though. I suppose there so, could be some crossover see, there. See, that's what I'm saying. That they, There's... Those are the things. So you can't, you can't want to be a stay at home parent. Well, that's the thing is like, you can never say there's, this is 100% everything. Cause there's always going to be, it's, it's kind of like when you go into a fantasy football matchup on Monday night and you're winning by 40 points and they have their kicker left. Like it's over, but it's not officially over. You know what I'm saying? Fair. That's, that's kind of where I'm coming from. So that feels like it was maybe personal experience there for a second. <laughs> You ever been beaten by a kicker scoring forty points on Monday Night Football? No, nope. I don't Not think yet. so. I uh, I I'm in seven fantasy football leagues and I won every single one this past weekend. So nice. I was pretty excited about that. Proud of you. Yep. I'm sure your wife was happy for you too. Yeah, she didn't care. I actually don't even think I've told her because she wouldn't care. She'd just be like, seven leagues, Kyle, you have an addiction." <laughs> um. <laughs> Quick question. I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. (laughs) She probably will. Uh, Also, I didn't deny that her hypothetical accusation was untrue. Right. Um, Quick question of the day. Uh, Derek, what's a job? So we're talking about going to the secular field. We've we've talked uh, sometimes about different jobs that we have had. Is there a job that you've had outside of ministry that you have not talked about on the podcast before? Plenty. Yeah, I had a new summer job every year from the time I was like 16 until like 2021. 20, so let's see. I uh, I think I've mentioned the pet spa on this yep. podcast before. Yep. Um, I have worked at a fabrication plant. So they, you know, those like big canvas style, like like the Dallas Cowboys, their practice facility has like that big canopy where they practice. Yep. I basically ba- worked at a place that built the canopy. Like for the that. domes? Yeah. Yep. All right. So that was that was interesting. Uh, I washed dishes at a Mongolian restaurant. Nice. Might have mentioned that on the podcast. Um, those are kind of the three that come to my mind right away. But yeah. I don't. I I I've had fewer jobs. Uh, the one that I don't think that I've talked about quite as much would be uh, my lifeguard. summer. No, I was not a lifeguard. <laughs> uh, no, I spent the summer uh, working for a landscaping company. Um, I wasn't. 99% of the time I was not actually like going out and, and installs, mm-hmm. uh, that's, which is a weird way to describe it. Like you're installing plants in somebody's yard, <laughs> but, uh, my, my main job was, uh, one of my old football coaches worked there, like in the backyard, they'd get like a semi would pull up with hundreds of plants on it Yep, and, uh, we would unload it. And, uh, you know, sort all the plants, get them to where, you know, it, where in our yard we wanted to store them. And then, uh, you know, we had like six, seven, eight landscaping crews that were headed out the next day. So we would pull all of the, the plants that they would need for the next yeah. day. 
uh, any, anything from, uh, you know, little annuals and perennials to, uh, I think we topped out at the 25 gallon trees. Nice. Uh, and so we, uh, and then we had, uh, made a new friend that summer. Uh, his name was Marcus. Uh, haven't thought about him in about 15 years. So shout out to Marcus. Good friend uh, of the show. Good for great, great friend of the show. He, uh, he was then the summer intern that was working with like the bigger trees uh, that were actually planted in the ground. So he got to drive a forklift more than I did. I feel like there are three things that you're guaranteed when you are a kid working a summer landscaping job. Three things you're guaranteed. First of all, you will be jacked by the end of the summer. 100%. Secondly. Well, most of them. I wasn't yeah, because well, I'm weak and small. Yes, we know. <laughs> I, I, I just don't, I didn't want to rub it in. Second thing you're guaranteed, farmer's tan. 100%. Because you're out in the sun all the time. Third thing you're guaranteed, a pile of money for a 16-year-old. Like landscaping, you work hard, you make a lot of money. Yeah, I was always tired at the end of the day. Didn't necessarily enjoy waking up at, you know, 6 a.m. every day. uh, In the summer. For the summer, but uh, it was was good. It was fun. Good experience. Um, So if I'm not called into missions, if I'm not called into ministry... What do I do? Um, honestly, I, I think that it's important to start with like, hey, mathematically, that would be most most people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We talked, especially on our ministry episode, about how if if you are like more people feel like they are called into ministry than maybe they actually are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't want to be called into ministry just because you get wrapped up in the emotional experience of a camp yeah. or, or something like that. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very difficult thing. And so mathematically, most people are going to be called into a secular field. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we don't want to, you know, diminish like, Oh yeah. Like being called into ministry or being called into missions. Those are higher callings. Right. Uh, than being called into a secular field, like there's there's ministry that needs to be done, uh, no matter where you happen to be called to. If you are yeah. a youth pastor, you are called to shepherd uh, the spiritual formation of students. Uh, if you are a pharmacist, there are people that you work with mm-hmm. that are in need of Christ. Yeah, uh, you know, if you work a job like that, you've got hundreds and hundreds of people coming up to you every day needing a prescription like those people need yeah they need to see the light of Christ even if it's just you know joy and a smile yeah on the other side of the counter I mean, that's what I always say it's it's I never ask like are you called into ministry because we obviously know what that means hey are you called into ministry that means vocational ministry but if you love Jesus you are called into ministry whether that is you are you know, a pharmacist, an accountant, or a missionary or or youth pastor, whatever it is, if you believe in Jesus, if you say, yes, I believe in him, I love him, you are called into ministry. It might just not be your vocation, you know? And I just love how you said that, Kyle, because like the thing is, I I think so many times people diminish themselves and disqualify themselves from doing the work of the gospel because they don't feel like they have the ability to like, I'm not a pastor. I can't do that. Well, it's like, sometimes that's better. (laughs) Sometimes people are more receptive to what you have to say because you are not a person who works in the church and that kind of thing. So we're going to unpack that a lot more, but I think it's just, it's so vital. We wanted to kind of just jump into this episode with this understanding that 
if you are going into a secular job, you are not disqualified for ministry and you are not less than a missionary or a ministerial person. Yeah, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, something that's important to remember is I want to say it's second Timothy two, two that talks about how, uh, you know, Timothy is overseeing a church. Paul's writing to him and he's telling Timothy as like the pastor of the church, your job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4. Really? What's 2 Timothy 2.2? 2? Um, oh, 2 Timothy 2.2 2 is, uh, you know, basically take what I've said to you yeah. and entrust it to trustworthy people well that will then turn around and, and Pass teach them others. On to others. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. My bad. Uh, somewhere in the Bible, it is written. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just quote scripture. Just that was Ephesians four. Yeah, it was still it was still scripture, and you, and you still rallied and recovered with 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 a nice. Yeah, ball, and, so. and I got I got where I accidentally went, and I got where I was going. Amen. Um, well done. But it is like I think that's important for people to remember. The goal of the church is to equip the saints for the work of the for ministry. Sure. Like mm-hmm. the people that come on a Sunday morning, the goal is to help them do ministry where they're at. The yeah. goal is not the people at the church are the only ones doing ministry. They're the only ones reaching people. They're the only ones discipling people. Uh, that's just the most inefficient way anybody could ever think of to do church. Yeah, right. That's not what the goal is. Yeah. So with that in mind, okay, like let's say you are called into a secular field. You do know, you want to pick? Uh, you know what? Here, I'm a, I got this. Every... Uh, year that we do mission teams. Yep. I always like, you know, fundraising is a big part of mission teams. Yep. One of the things that I encourage students to do is to write a support letter. Uh, if you have family or friends or people that you know that might be interested in giving toward your trip, write a letter that you can send to them telling them about your trip. And so I give them a template every year. This is a, a tangent. I promise it's going somewhere. I was like, where the heck are you going right I now? I promise it's going somewhere. <laughs> I give them a template every year of, hey, here's what a letter could look like. And I throw in some details about the specific trip that they're going on because I think that's important to put in there. Yep. But I also make the trip really like, or I, I make the letter really obnoxious in some ways so that they can't just copy and paste it. I, I ah. want them to go in and actually customize it to them. And so in this sample letter that I give, I have, it's, it's a fictional person. I should pull it up because the name that I have on it is ridiculous, but they are, you know, this fictional person is a senior and next year they are going to college. You know what? I just need to pull this up because otherwise I'm going to misquote, uh, what I'm, what this reminds me of when we had this. I can't remember if it was a student or if it was a leader, but we had this hypothetical, theoretical person yep. who was Abe Lincoln. Yep. <laughs> which, is, which is a problem because I was talking to Riley, shout out to Riley, uh, yesterday, and he was talking about an idea for our 100th episode is to do another initials game. Ooh, I like it. But every person, every good friend of the show that's been mentioned plays the initials game. And I said, well... <laughs> That might might be a problem because Abe Lincoln is a good friend of the show. Noah Webster is a good friend of the show. But we just mentioned my my friend Marcus, who I haven't (laughs) talked to in 13 years. No clue where he's at. I don't even know if I could reach him. So, yeah, I could see some logistical issues. I like where his head's at, though. Um, So this letter that I always have is from... uh, it's it's from Dr. Martin 
Dr. Mr. Reverend Sir Kevin Martin McAllister Jr. the fourth. Holy buckets. And uh, he says, uh, I'm now a senior in high school and I am headed next year to the University of North Southwestern Central Community and Technical College of the Arts and Sciences and Trades and Maths and Tiddlywings, oh. a.k.a. UNSWCCTCASTMT, <laughs> next fall to get my degree in auctioneering studies with a minor in theme park engineering. Wow. Going somewhere. So I bring auctioneering. All, <laughs> auctioneering studies. I bring all that up to say... Excuse me. I think in this episode, we need to uh, have a fictional person that is headed into either auctioneering studies or theme park engineering. Can we not have such a long name? Because I'm going to forget. Sure. Yep. No, I think I think uh, let's go with Kevin McAllister. Fictional Kevin McAllister. Great friend of the show, by the way. Um, The show. Yeah. uh, He we, we gave him somewhere to belong so that he wasn't always alone. Uh, that was very homely of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Nicely done. Um, Kevin, good friend of the show, is headed uh, next year to school. Yep. Doesn't matter where. Yep. <laughs> We're not repeating that. No. <laughs> uh, for uh, theme park engineering. I thought it was auctioneering. Nah, we're going to... Okay. Theme park engineering, well I feel like, is going to be a little bit more applicable. So, okay. So uh, he- we'll go with that. And uh, that's... So, so what can he do? Yep. Okay. So can we just assume he went through his he went through his schooling? He's officially in the work workplace. Sure, love okay. it. Yep. He's he's he graduated in, in three years because he really was on top of the. Well, you know all of the PSEO classes available for theme park engineering. Naturally, yeah. basically he just played roller coaster tycoon for a long time. That that was his whole college experience. If you're still listening to this episode, we commend <laughs> you because we have literally gone nowhere in the last eight minutes or so. And so, if you are still with us, we love you. We oh appreciate boy. you. That was top ten tangents of all time. We, on the, on we the promise you, the rest of this is going to be really good. Okay, so we have this hypothetical. Kevin McAllister. He is graduated 4.0 from this college. He's in his career field. What can he do to serve the Lord? And here's the first thing I would say. Be excellent in your field. If you want to represent Christ, if you want to serve the Lord, be excellent in what you are going to do. Yes, we joked about Kevin McAllister being great at theme park engineering or whatever we just said, but Here's, here's the honest reality. If you went to school for pharmacy, be the best pharmacist you can be. If you went to school for finance, be the best advisor you possibly can. Because there's biblical precedent for that. Elisha had 12 yoke of oxen when Elijah found him. 12 yoke of oxen was someone who was loaded and successful. Elisha was good at what he does. Luke, the gospel of Luke, which like... Luke was a doctor. He was a bona fide doctor that was very, very educated, very, very good. Matthew was a prominent tax collector. Now, obviously, raking it in. (laughs) It was on the backs of his fellow people. uh, But like he still, when you look at the ins and the outs of Matthew, he was kind of one who oversaw and was better than other tax collectors. Now, it just proves he was a really good cheat, but nevertheless, he worked hard. And then my favorite last one to look at is Paul was a tent maker. You know, like he was, that was what he did. We talked about that a few episodes ago. But all of these incredibly anointed, incredibly prominent people uh, who served the Lord and shared the gospel, they had jobs that they were very, very 
good at. And when you are good at your job, you are representing Christ in all that you do. So when you work hard and you strive for excellence, you're representing Christ. When you're punctual, when you're attentive, when you're focused, when your boss and your fellow peers see you doing your job well, you are showing that I care about what I'm doing and you're representing Christ in many ways that you probably don't even realize. Yeah, I think that's uh, you know one of the important things when we look at uh, you know, some of these guys like, okay, Matthew was at the top of his field, Yep. but before Jesus came along, you know, maybe wasn't the, the best, uh, representation of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it is, it is possible to possible. It is very easy to get to the top of your field without representing Christ. Well, yep. Uh, so it's usually more difficult to get to the top of your field while also representing Christ well, or at least the path appears more difficult. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you think about, um, you know, some of the fields that we've mentioned, like finances, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I can, you know, cheat and scam my way, you know, to the top, to a better position in my company. I can, uh, you know, backstab my, uh, coworkers in order to get above them. Uh, all of these, I can, you know, do something wrong and, or, or see a problem. And instead of fixing it, I can blame, uh, one of my coworkers and get them in trouble and get ahead. Uh, all of these different things, there's, there's a difference between being excellent in your field and being excellent in your field while also representing Christ. Well, That's good, really good. Cause it, I've also seen the opposite. You can represent Christ in a negative way by being lazy and non-diligent. You sure. Know? Like, yeah, you you represent Christ no matter what. Right. If you're going to be a Christian, you represent Christ. It's just a matter of if you're going to do that well or not. That's a good point. And and, and that's, that's where I have, I feel like I have seen that more often, or at least you, you hear about that more often, because if you are working hard and, and doing the right ethical thing to represent Christ, Odds are, like, it's not going to be brought up a whole lot because, you know, you are you are taking the high road, you know, and that's the road less traveled these days. It just is. However, I don't know why this is the case, but there seems to be this stigma that, you know, people who go to church are just, like, lazy, you know? And so when you are feeding into that, you know, and you are just like not showing up for work on time, you're not working hard, you're not contributing to the overall thing, you are feeding into that stigma and proving it right. Yeah, I listened to a podcast episode, I think yesterday, uh, and I don't know how it got on this, but it was talking about universal basic income and just the concept of that. And there, because I think it was bringing it up because there are some, uh, you know, not countries, but uh, sections of countries within Europe that are piloting programs like, hey, te- let's test this and see if it's, you know, if it would actually work as intended or not. Yeah. And most of the places that have tried it so far have found that it doesn't really work because it disincentivizes hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, disincentivizes actual work if you are guaranteed to, you know, get a baseline paycheck right. no matter what you do. And I think that that is where uh, representing Christ well in the workplace uh, can come into play. When you are representing Christ, you know, working hard and striving for excellence is important. Showing up on time or a few minutes early uh, and, and being punctual, being attentive when you're there, 
uh, you know, you work in fast food, uh, your, your boss says like, yeah, I don't care if you put an earbud in and listen to music while you work. Uh, and you're like upfront. I, I saw this, I went to cold stone with my wife a couple weeks ago and, and both employees had one earbud in like, it didn't bother mm-hmm. me, but you know, it, it probably minimizes the opportunity to, you know, have conversations with your coworker. Right. Uh, you know, striving in those ways, going be of a be of above and beyond. That's important. That is representing Christ. Well, totally, totally. And, uh, you know, the last thing I have with this particular topic or this particular part of, of being in the secular field is when you do your job, well, odds are you're going to just naturally be in a place where you are in charge of training other people or having other people underneath you or whatever that looks like in your particular field. Um, and what a great opportunity to share the gospel. You know, you just talked about the the lack of conversation with the earbuds in, but at the same time, like if you, if you never rise to the ranks, you'll never be in a place where you can have an opportunity to share with people, you know? And so that's more of a uh, challenge to when you do start to climb the corporate ladder, pride and arrogance are really easy to just fall into, you know, like it's just, it's a natural byproduct of when you find success. Uh, but some of the people that I have so much respect for the people who use that platform to share the gospel, to pour yeah. into people, to invest into people. Um, and it's such a great way to do it. So the, all in all, there's just, there's a lot of merit to, if you work in the secular field, be excellent and strive for excellence because there's a lot of great things God can use through that. Yeah. Another uh, thing that we would encourage if you are working in the, working in the secular fields would be that your involvement uh, in church life is still absolutely vital to the church as a whole. Uh, You know, volunteering your your time if you can like that is that is huge most churches and it's a catchy statistic but i actually think it's still pretty true in most churches mm-hmm. that that most of them 80% of their volunteer positions and their volunteer hours are being done by 20% of their attendees right uh you've got 80% of your attendees that are probably doing little to no volunteering uh within your church and there are ministries that really, really need your help mm-hmm. in your, no, it doesn't matter what church you're at. I, I've had this conversations a few times over the last few weeks. Like, I don't know any youth pastor that's like, no, I'm good. I don't need any more right. volunteers. Now, you know, there's a lot of different ways to volunteer and not everybody is, you know, equipped and skilled in volunteering in every single area of a church. You got to find where God's gifted you and where you're passionate about even, you know, volunteering within the church. But I, uh, I heard a story uh, once about a pastor who uh, they were they were hurting for uh, volunteers back in their nursery on Sunday mornings, and so uh, there was a Sunday that somebody got up uh, after worship and they said, "Hey, I thank you guys for being here. Uh, you know, Pastor So and So is not going to be preaching. Uh, he is. You know, we didn't have enough volunteers back in our nursery this morning, and so he's back there." Uh, volunteering. And so I'm going to preach. And like 20 people immediately stood up and went to the back to to see serious? if they could help volunteer in the, cause I think that sometimes people just, I think sometimes 
churches try so hard to still make sure things happen mm-hmm. that people don't realize how great the need is so for good. volunteers. And so now I don't I would imagine that none of those 20 actually got to go back and and help in the nursery because there's like background checks that need mm-hmm. to be processed and all that. But the, their heart is great. Uh you know you want to encourage people like oh my gosh there's there's a need yeah. there uh you know and, and there's different ways to do it uh as the church like speaking to youth pastors or or church leaders uh i don't know if it's like having a, a volunteer fair where at your church where people could see all the opportunities to volunteer showing numbers of like this is how many volunteers we need on a sunday morning back in the kids ministry in order to make sundays happen uh you know showing people some of those numbers sometimes can help click it in their minds yeah. of, oh my gosh, like there's, that's actually a lot of people that they need in order to make that happen. We really should do an episode on recruitment at some point because it, you are, you are spot on that. I, I know that same plague is relevant in our church. We, you know, I've talked about, it's kind of relevant here. You know, it's, there's always a need for not just quantity, but yeah. quality, you know, yeah. volunteer. And, and that's the thing is like, when you are going to come and volunteer, like, Depending on the role, you could get away with this, but if you're going to choose to volunteer, choose to take ownership of that volunteering role. You know, like yep. some of my greatest leaders that I've had as a youth pastor, as a pastor, are the ones who have embodied the mission and the culture of what we're doing here. And they don't just show up to fill a role, they show up to take ownership and they show up to do something powerful with what they're going to do. And so, you know, they do things that I don't ask them to do because they understand the big picture. Yeah. They understand what the role looks like. So come and volunteer your one or your two hours, but pray for that role that you're going to do. Even if it's setting out coffee, pray on your way to the role and say like, I just pray God that you'd use this for, for your glory, for your kingdom. Like whatever that looks like, take ownership of that volunteering. In the same way that another thing you should do if you work in the secular world is you have an incredible opportunity to invite people to be a part of what God's doing. The Billy Graham Association, uh, they put out a survey and they did some research a few years ago and they found out a few different things that I thought were incredibly noteworthy. The first one is that every Christian could identify at least seven unbelievers. And that's an incredible thing, first of all, because... Jesus spent a lot of time with his disciples. Yes. But he also spent a lot of time with unbelievers, you know? And so it's so valuable. I think that's a good heart check of like who in my life is not a believer. And if you are shocked that you can't find any, that might be a, a, a gut check of like, I need to do something differently. But odds are, if you work in a secular field, you can name seven in your immediate work circle. You know, people who don't know Christ. And so here's the part that was incredibly interesting. 82% of unchurched people said they would come to church if they were personally invited. 82%. Like that's, that's a lot. That's like almost everybody you talk to. If you personally invite them to church, like you are going to, Mm -hmm. like they're going to say yes, you know? And so the, the deal of it is, is Let's just, you and I are pastors, right, Kyle? So Last I checked. We we have Easter coming up, right? So what are we going to do as, as... It's November. It's a hypothetical oh, situation, okay. I was sir. like, why wouldn't you use Christmas? I'm, we can use Christmas. That's fine. Let's do Christmas. <laughs> we have Christmas coming. I just, I just use Easter because Easter, like this this strategy is used a lot. Sure, yeah. Easter, as, as, as pastoral leaders, 
what do we start doing? We start putting out special videos, right? Like, hey, this is our church. I'm pastor so-and-so. Here's what Easter's going to look like. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We'd love for you to come be a part of it. Great idea. Another great idea that we do is we spend a lot of money on mailers. You make a special graphic. You put it on a mailing thing. You pay a ton of money in postage, you know, like all these different things. So you do all these different things. If you're someone who works in pharmacy and you go home from work and you see a mailer from a church, if you're not a church person, that mailer is almost as good as the the mailer you get from Discover or Chase for a free credit card. I hate those. You might look at it, but odds are you're going to take a quick look at the thing, rip it in half and throw it in your recycling. You know? Only thing worse is a mailer from somebody telling me who to vote for which we've talked about before. You love those, you know? The worst. So there, there's, and I'm not saying those things don't work because they do have merit. But my point is you're so much more likely to have someone come into your church. If the person that goes to your church and works with them all the time says, Hey, I'm going to, to an Easter service. Would you want to join me this weekend? Oh, I'm not really into church. No, like, I think you're going to like this church. It's, it, it's cool. It's relevant. It's whatever. Like I will, like I will save you a spot and I'll go with you. Yeah, they are so much more likely to go to that church if that's the case. And so you being in a secular field, you cannot underestimate the power you have and the influence you have of getting people to church and experiencing Christ through the church. And so take that seriously, which is why it's also good to not be hated in your workplace, because if you're hated, they're not going to want to come with you. But if you're respected, you're well liked, you work hard, they are much more prone to Come be a you got a, you have a relationship with them because you don't just have headphones in all the time, but yeah. you actually talk to them and care about them. Like, yeah, there's witnessing in your workplace. Ninety percent of the work is just being a good human being. Yeah, and then when the door opens, faithfully walking through it and taking action. Yeah, uh, and I think that you know, in moments like that, I think it's important to not just disqualify yourself you know, from those opportunities to minister to people. Uh, if you look at, you know, some of the people that, that we mentioned earlier, like a Paul was a tent maker, turned into a massive evangelist. Mm-hmm. You look at Peter, who was a fresh fisherman, and he turned into a pastor. Nehemiah was a cupbearer who led a building project, mm-hmm. which is something that churches do. We just did one, you know, three, four years ago. Like, I think that people, I mean, look at, look at the church that you are in right now. Like wherever you're at, look at the church that you're in, look at the deacons that are on the board. They are probably definitely not paid by, you know, depending on your church structure, like a lot of churches have a deacon board. They're not paid by the church. They have Mm -hmm. a normal job and then they are, you know, elected or appointed to these positions of spiritual leadership over the church. Yeah. Like those deacons have normal jobs. Mm -hmm. They have secular jobs, but are also, you know, called to minister in this way, yeah. uh, you know, for a season or, or whatever. And so there's, there's not credentials you need in order to be used by God in any way. There are some vocational ministry positions that, you know, credentials or degrees or stuff is helpful. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to just the basics of being a Christian, your job is to be willing to be used by God. Yeah. And that does not... It's not dependent on whether you're in vocational ministry or a secular field. No, I think even Paul talks about that in Acts when he gets converted. 
he talks about how like he didn't go to so and so to get you know the blessing. Yeah. He just went and started preaching, you know. And I I honestly think you know being being in a lead pastor role now, I I have found so much more appreciation of people who do work in the secular field because when we have an electrical problem at our church, it's so much nicer to say, hey, so and so, I trust them. Like I'm gonna hire their company. You know, I'm gonna have them. Yeah, come and you do can it. use like, your gifts to help out the kingdom. Absolutely. You know, and like the, it's, those are, again, that just, there are so many people who just don't see that as ministry, but like that, that blesses me like that, like that blesses the ministry. Like uh, odds are like, you're not spending excess money because you're, it's, it's a shab job. Like there's all these different things that contribute to the ministry in so many more ways. And um, one thing that I, I find it prudent to, to mention is, you know, if you work in a secular field, I'm not saying that you're going to be absolutely loaded, but the reality is there is a lot more money outside of the church than there is with inside of the church. At least there should be, you know, <laughs> like I'm, I'm hoping that pastors do not get into this job because we're looking for a fat paycheck. And if you are, you should do some serious soul searching for a lot of different reasons. But when I look at people who have made a tangible impact in churches that I know of, it's, it's realtors, it's, it's doctors, it's successful business owners who are sitting, sitting here going, I worked hard for this. God's blessed me. And I want to bless the church back in return. You know? Yeah. That one of our, one of my youth leaders is a financial advisor and he, he has said, uh, like the the call that God placed on his heart was to go into this field and and the specific call for him is to finance the kingdom. Wow. And one of the big passions for him is is working with people to you know help them budget well, to help them plan out financially so that they have, you know, freedom within their budget to give. Yeah. And like it, there are so many secular fields and and jobs that you can have where God is still it it doesn't mean that God's not going to give you a clear vision to be a part of His kingdom. Yeah, in that job, something like that, uh, that's huge. Like that's a that's a compounding vision for the kingdom. Yeah, like not only are you you know doing good at your job and you're able to tithe and do those things, but you're also helping other people in this specific case. Yep. To, you know, have, uh, you know, to, to have freedom to tithe and, and a heart for generosity. Yep. And that's going to compound down the road to jump back to our good friend of the show, Kevin McAllister and his theme park engineering degree. Uh, like if you're, <clears throat> if you're in charge of a amusement park, like, Hey, we got, you know, this one day in the summer where if you bring your youth group, and if you're a church group and you bring your kids, uh, you know, it, your tickets are, you know, 75% off. Right. You know, or something like that. Like, yep. hey, we want to we want to get these kids together. We want to do something for our community. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are ways, creative and some of them are even uncreative because they're obvious. Yeah. Uh, that, that you can still be a part of the kingdom mission. So good. I, uh, I think it, it, it's so helpful to kind of round this episode out with just like Cal, you and I both had some cool experiences of, of people that love Jesus that worked outside of the church. And I kind of think there's yeah. value in sharing what that looked like because, um, you know, we've talked about this before, but I did not 
I did not go to Bible college all four years. I spent my first year of college at a state school studying chemistry to be hopefully become a dentist. Go Bison. Go Bison. The Z. Um, you know, but like what was really cool in my experience there is I was a part of a college ministry on campus and there was a church in that community that partnered with us. And so, uh, every Sunday night they had a special church service that was geared towards young adults. Anybody could go to it, but it was definitely geared towards college students because it was a college town. And what I found out to be really cool there were kind of four pastors that were highly involved in this ministry. Two of them were in vocational ministry. They were pastors by day. The other two, ironically, were pharmacists. They they worked at a pharmacy in this town. They graduated from the same school I did uh, in that same line of work. Uh, but after they got done with work, they would preach on Sunday nights. They led small groups. They would help out with different ministries in the church. They were very much involved in the ministry that was being happening or that was happening, even though they worked full time outside of the church. And what was so cool is they seeing how you could marry these two things together. Like I can love Jesus with all of my heart and serve him with all of my being, but also still go to work and go do the thing that God's blessed me to do. Because what they talked about is God blessed them with the ability to be smart and to use their brain for pharmacy. Like this is where you need to get outside of the context of what ministry looks like, because ministry is not just preaching the word of God to somebody. Like obviously that's critical, but like my wife works in a assisted living facility. You can't tell me that her caring for elderly people who don't have family who don't have kids that care for them by her going into their room and rubbing their back and making them feel supported. That's ministry. That's major ministry. Even if you are not preaching the gospel, you're living the gospel, you know? And so I just, there's, there's so much stigma you have to get out of, of what ministry looks like, because it changed me when I went to that state school to see how they use their gifts and how God wired them to serve the kingdom in so many different capacities. Yeah, I'll say that, uh, you know, probably the most influential person in my spiritual life was a guy named Mike, who's a doctor. Hmm. And uh, he he and his family were living in California, and God, he felt God tell him, like, move your whole family to Minnesota because there's a group of boys that need you. Wow. Now, the backstory is that I, I grew up in a church that was, you know, very large uh, youth ministry, 150, 200 kids. Uh, and it, funny enough, the building, we built a brand, our church built a brand new building. And within a year or two of the new build, it was like the kids ministry and the youth ministry were too big to both be in the building on Wednesday nights. And Holy so uh, we had to uh, switch. Our youth nights were on they they started out when I was in middle school. They were on Monday nights, uh, and then there was a period that uh, I think they might have been on Sunday nights for a small period, and then most of it was Saturday nights. Uh, but Wednesday nights were then like our in in homes, you know, Bible studies. Yeah. And so when I was in sixth grade, 
Uh, we had we had somebody leading our group for most of sixth grade. The end of sixth grade, he left. Somebody else came in to lead it. Uh, that person left in seventh grade. Somebody else led it. That person left. Somebody else led it. Uh, in eighth grade, a new guy came in to lead it. And then he actually, uh, halfway through our eighth grade year, he was killed in a car accident. And so we had had like five guy, five different people leading our small group over a two year, two and a half year period. Which as a seventh, eighth grade boy makes you feel secure, makes you feel right. Yes, it's, it's super nice. And so uh, he came in on the tail end of that, mm. and uh, he was our small group leader the second half of our eighth grade year through when we all graduated, and through several different restructures. You know, we had a lot of different youth pastors come in and out. They wanted to restructure how we did our small groups. Uh, you know, they were like, Hey, we want to intermix. Cause it was just our grade. It was a youth ministry big enough where it was like, Hey, just the freshman boys are in a group together. Well, you, you had a new guy come in and it's like, Hey, we're going to switch it up and have like, you know, intermixed ninth through 12 groups. And this guy fought for us, you know, every single time, like you can do whatever you want with the rest of the groups, leave this one alone. Wow. Like, I think there was actually one point where, where he literally was like, I'm going to meet with these boys anyway. Like I'm going to let, and, and they can just choose if they want to come to this group or they want to, you know, come to the new group that you're putting together, uh, which is maybe not the, the route that I would recommend, but, uh, he, he fought to keep that group together and, and we stayed together and, and he was, he didn't have to do that. He was a doctor. Like he moved to Minnesota and he was still a doctor. Mm -hmm. You know, that didn't change. He didn't take a job at the church. And every Wednesday night, he took time to to come and to teach us and to study the Bible wow. with us and and build relationships. It was it was super influential for us, not just to have somebody you know in that role, but to see somebody that prioritized it enough that they wanted to fight for us and uh, prioritize spending time with a group of high school boys every single week, which is not always easy to do. It's incredible. I mean, like it's when you think about how strenuous people like that have jobs, yeah. how busy they are, but yet they still make time to serve and to serve the church and to serve the Lord. Uh, it's, it's pretty special. So um, we have all the respect in the world for those who continue to be great in their field and and make an impact on the kingdom. And we appreciate you. And if you're if you're going into that, please don't feel like you're second rate by going into a secular field because in a lot of ways you have some unique opportunities that that God's going to use. So, Barry, to wrap up this episode in in three statements: work hard, pray for opportunities, and get involved. And you're going to have some tangible impact, not just in your workplace, but in the church and the kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. Real quick before we close, I want to, uh, I'm looking at a calendar here. I just want to give uh, a bit of an update to everybody. Uh, you know, we've got, uh, so this is, today's the 16th, November 16th, uh, next week, Thanksgiving. We got a two part series uh, that we are going to start, uh, you know, the last two Thursdays in November. Uh, and then December 7th, uh, is going to be the day we have been kind of teasing uh, pretty much since we started season three here. Yeah, uh, We have been teasing that uh, we were going to do a series of episodes uh, kind of revolving around my current situation. Mm -hmm. uh, as we've said before, we are in a pastoral transition. 
uh, and it was an unexpected one, which kind of adds a new layer uh, into everything. And so we are, uh, it looks like it's going to be a five-part series mm-hmm. uh, going through kind of what that looks like. Um, and, and so we're going to start that in December. I'm super excited uh, to, to talk about that. Uh, we are going to spend a lot of time praying and uh, making sure that, that we handle this mm-hmm. with... Uh, you know, humility and dignity, because this yeah. is, uh, especially for me, you know, being in the thick of it, we've got plenty of listeners that are a part of our church. And so, uh, we want to make sure that, that we handle this well. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, this is something that we feel is very important to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's something that is not unique to our church. Uh, you know, there are plenty of churches that go through what we've gone through, uh, and, and even, you know, from a, from a healthy standpoint, yeah. you know, no pastor will pastor a church forever. Uh, you know, pastors retire, yeah. uh, pastors, you know, move from one location to another. Uh, you know, you could, uh, you could have a pastor that graduated, uh, college in, you know, let's say Minnesota, cause that's where we're at. They, they moved to Ohio or Wyoming. Yeah. I don't know why those were the first two states uh, <laughs> that came to my mind, but they moved to <laughs> Wyoming apparently because there was a youth pastor position there yeah. uh, and they liked the vision of the church. And so they moved there. Uh, and while they were there, they started, they, they got married, they started a family and now they're, they're looking to, uh, they became the senior pastor there and now they're looking to come home because they want to be more, yeah. you know, closer to closer to family. Well, that's a great, that's not a bad reason at all to leave your church in Wyoming, but that's going to leave that church in Wyoming looking for a new senior pastor. And so you got situations like that, that are healthy, that are normal, that are good. Uh, and so we're going to touch on all of that. Um, I just, so I just, I wanted to kind of throw that in here. I'm really excited. Uh, and, and that'll be, so I think that's going to be episodes 93 through 97. Yep. Uh, and then that puts us right on the doorstep of episode hundred. Yeah. And here's what I'll say in knowing the situation with Kyle, uh, a decent amount is, um, I think sometimes when you are going through podcasts and the wave of podcasts are out there now, sometimes you look at the title and go, oh, that's not for me. You might see, you know, senior pastor transition go, hey, that's not for me. Uh, but I don't care who you are. Uh, this this episode's going to have something of value to you. If you're outside of the church, it, it's going to be a peek behind the curtain about the church and about yep. leadership and, the, and some of the tolls and, and things that happen behind, you know, behind the curtain. Uh, that's going to be a value to you. If you're a youth pastor, I think it's going to be insightful of, you said, Kyle, this was not planned. This this was an absolute blindside, you know, truck coming out of nowhere. Uh, and so how do you handle that? You know, because like it, it can happen at the drop of a hat. Um, so I guess my point is I don't care who you are. I don't care what your season looks like. I think there's going to be some incredible value to listening to these episodes. And so I'd encourage you to to be on the lookout for those. And I think it's going to be a really, really cool series here. Yeah, we're going to get into, you know, kind of what happened in our specific situation. But we'll also get into, like, we are currently in the interim process. Mm-hmm. And, and as a youth pastor, as a staff pastor, there are things that are, you know, good to know. Yeah. Uh, kind of going through that interim process that's a little bit different than, you know, just being in a stable position with, with a senior pastor in place. And so, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. I'm excited for it. Uh, it'll be a little raw, but uh, we're going to take great care in how we put that together. So I'm excited for that. But that does it for today's 
episode. Uh, we thank you guys for hanging out with us on behalf of Derek. I think I'm going to, not only am I going to go play Roller Coaster Tycoon, but I am going to build a roller coaster that I cut off and send all of my people into oblivion, just like the good old days. Goodbye. Goodbye.